With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, Jacob. Oh, Jacob. Oh, my God. We are live. We're live. The Big Tilt is live, and we are in here, and we are amped from last week. You know what the best part is? Is I can get as excited as I want. I can shout. I can scream. Uh, you can't do any of that because you got stuck in a library, Jacob. It's been like back and forth each week, man. Last week, I got stuck in California. This week, you're stuck in a library. So, Jacob, what's going on, man? How you feeling? How you feeling about last week? What we got coming up this week, man? Yeah, I'm coming to you live from the Nanaimo, Vancouver Island Public Library, um, <laughs> mid-transit out to out to Tofino, do some surfing for the weekend with the family. Uh, truly a hilarious, hilarious turn of events, but um, wouldn't have it any other way. You know, my mind's always on the prize, always on DFS. Absolutely. You're looking around like like you're scared, like people are about to kick yeah, you out, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm on bar. I'm living on borrowed time here, you know. Oh, I'm living man. on borrowed time, but we're uh, we're doing what we can for the people. The people need their TFS plays. They're gonna get them come hell or high water. Oh, they absolutely are. And we got some matchups that we want to dive into, of course. Today, we we want to make sure that we are making money for you all because last week we did just that, Jacob. How sweet were those victories last week, man? How sweet were they? How how much did you love your Ashton Doolin pick? You know, the one that I said would get us kicked off the show. <laughs> you know, two weeks in a row, uh, I'm giving you these 3K wide receiver gold. We got Greg Dorch week one. We had Ashton Doolin week two. I'm not sure who I have this week, to be honest. I don't know if there's a 3K appealing that's quite as, as uh, a 3K wide receiver that's quite as appealing for me in week three as there was the first couple of weeks. But we're on a roll. I mean, the, the biggest thing was, you know, my focus last week. I said Jalen Waddle, flag plant. Miami Baltimore obviously uh Jalen Waddle was a pretty good flag to plant last week um we got the runbacks going my only regret is I wish we did more of the doubles uh because I didn't have not nearly enough Tyree kill and that that really kind of turned my potentially awesome week into just a really good week but still still a really strong week for us and uh let's keep the streak going I mean we've we haven't like had the big hit yet but our, our lineup that we've built both weeks is cashed so we're we're clearly in the right on the right track yeah we're making it there and yeah, if y'all follow us on Twitter, you know, you know, some of the plays that I've liked. And I mean, we talked about last night, uh, you know, we had a game Thursday night and I felt so weird doing this, but I actually did a lineup with no quarterbacks, right? That lineup was the second highest scoring lineup with Amari Cooper in the uh, in the captain spot. And obviously, if you had Amari Cooper in the captain spot, you most likely end up winning big time money. David Njoku was right there as well. But Amari Cooper was the cheat code to, to make that big, big money yesterday. I'm excited to make big, big money this week. So are you ready to jump into what these plays are that, that we're going to be talking about, which which lineups we're going to try and capitalize on? Let's jump on in. Let's jump on in. All right, I'll start out. I'll start out um, because I feel like I'm just now punishing myself and, and 
you know, my viewpoints, but it, when it comes to DFS, you have to kind of like have this ability to erase all of your previous, uh, you know, thoughts and all of your previous convictions. Right. And I'm going to St. Brown was somebody that I was not big on. And I understand DeAndre Swift is still a little bit hurt. You know, we have Hawkinson still a little bit hurt, but he produced last week, which is a guy that I wanted to play last week. So I'm going back to the well on him and this Vikings and Lions matchup because i mean i feel like i'm not even being serious i feel like i'm literally putting on some sort of like fake or false facade because i am telling you to sit here and go out and play amonroth saint brown but i am i'm telling you to go out and i'm telling you to go play amonroth saint brown again this week and build a stack off this now this this whole matchup with the the vikings and lions gets really interesting because you know as i go out and as i try to play these stacks i mean it's expensive man deandre swift expensive dalvin cook expensive <laughs> we already know justin jefferson one of the most expensive receivers or players on the slate as a whole i mean no matter which way we try to, to spin this right you're gonna have to leave somebody out of this lineup uh, you know and it's like do you really feel like you need to play you know, Kirk Cousins, like now nah, you might as well leave him off and then maybe you can go with the Jared Goff angle, right? Meanwhile, you can end up playing the Amon Ross St. Brown, but can you afford to play Dalvin Cook? Can you afford to play Justin Jefferson in that case? And honestly, like, no, not unless you want to go play your 3K receivers that Jacob's been hitting on, you know, nonstop. Uh, Jacob, give me your take on this real quick and then I'll dive a little bit into the stats and whatnot, the research that I've done on it. Yeah, man. Uh, I had the pleasure of talking about this DFS slate with Rich yesterday, and we kind of agreed it's, a, it's an interesting slate where you know we finally get all the fun quarterbacks on the slate. We get these fun wide receivers and the fun games, and you know the trend through two weeks, the running backs haven't scored a lot of points, and so when you see the opportunity to play Jalen Hurts, the opportunity to play Josh Allen, the opportunity to stack them with all these incredible top end wide receivers, that's what people are going to want to do. And then you have these running backs that have a lot of workload in pretty good spots david montgomery damian pierce we're not really sure which raiders running back it's going to be it's either going to be josh jacobs who looked like he was going to have a lot of ownership if he is unable to go maybe he's in your white instead of capturing some of that ownership and that's going to kind of be the build i want to go in a different direction which is you know i love when we have the opportunity to fade players that are not explosive right last week it's a little terrifying to fade Devonte adams right i don't i'm going to fade anybody based on ownership but like I know for a fact that if Devontae Adams has a ceiling game, like we saw in week one, you know, he can have 35, 40 points, right? You can just bury it and you're just over if you don't play him, right? Same as like a Cooper Cop or maybe an Amon Ross St. Brown. But, you know, with David Montgomery, it's like, okay, what? so what if he hits? Like, what's he going to have in a David Montgomery hit week? He's going to have, what, 20 points, 22 points? Well, all right. You know, if you play Montgomery, you're certainly happy with that. And if you have the best stack with that, that, that construction can win. But what if Jonathan Taylor or Christian McCaffrey or even Derrick Henry, you know, one of these running backs that's high priced, it's not going to be as highly owned, is able to just have a massive ceiling game. What if Taylor has 40 points? Then it doesn't really matter if the cheap guys hit because Taylor's outpacing them by so much. If you can have a game stack that can hit. So that's what I'm trying to look into is I'm going to try and build around higher priced running backs that people aren't going to play that have huge ceilings. And then how can I build the appropriate lineup around them? Yeah, I mean, and we have, of course, Dalvin Cook, and we have DeAndre Swift, who aren't at the elite level of pricing, but they're still in the top 10 pricing for the running back position. And those two going back to back, I mean, I love love these stacks. I mean, dude, Swift is hurt last week, right? Swift is being punished, and he ended up having still 16.7 points uh, in that game. Uh, meanwhile, it was only on seven touches, and he had a drop in addition to that that it could have been a big play. So it's very, very uh, frustrating 
to to sit there and have DeAndre Swift, right? Uh, and, and not be able to play him, you know, or end up playing him, end up having to have limited touches. But this week, I don't think that's the case. I think he's coming in healthier. They already talked about him being healthier. Meanwhile, I'd love to get Dalvin Cook. I mean, my ideal situation for this game and my ideal stack for this game is taking Jared Goff, right? Hoping that he, you know, may throw for a little bit more yards because he's probably not throwing for four touchdowns again. Let's just go ahead and get that off the plate. But, you know, let's hope that he throws for three touchdowns, gets 300, 350 yards, you know, receiving because, I mean, throwing, excuse me, uh, because he is at that price that makes him digestible. Uh, meanwhile, you have DeAndre Swift, who will should garner enough targets in this game up against the Vikings, who we hope will go up early, right? We're going to hope that the Vikings end up having a quick strike, that they give ball the ball to, to Dalvin Cook, because last week they didn't do it, right? They did not force feed Dalvin Cook. And I mean, this is something that we want to see from the Vikings is to continue to get Dalvin Cook involved, to give him the ball on the outside, to get in his hands like receiving, right? And we haven't seen that. And this week we have a Lions team who has been proven to be poor up against the running backs. I mean, they allowed, what, two or three, I think it was three touchdowns week one uh, in the rushing game to Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and Kenneth Gainwell. And then last week they obviously allowed some touchdown or a touchdown to Gibson. So we know that they can be hat, right? We know that they, they can give up points to the running back position. And now we talk about Aiden Hutchinson possibly missing the game. I haven't seen an injury report as of today, but as of yesterday, I don't think he was practicing. So this could open up the floodgates for an opportunity for a big game from Dalvin Cook, who's probably going to see a significant reduction in ownership. I mean, we're not going to see, what, maybe 10% like at most because he's failed epically over the past week or two, right? He's underproduced. He's expensive. We we have the, the discounted running backs that are going to be able to throw in, as you brought up earlier. So Dalvin Cook, for me, is a major target. Meanwhile, you can still fit in of course, Amonari St. Brown, DeAndre Swift, Jared Goff. You're still going to have to go cheaper on the lineups, but at least that's the base that I've been able to build for this game. So for you, I mean, you know, I, I know it's tough to sit there and fade Justin Jefferson, but if Justin Jefferson doesn't have 100-plus yards, you know, a touchdown, two touchdowns, 10 receptions, he's pretty much an epic fail on the week. Like, he's what Devontae Adams was last week for you, which is, hey, he didn't get to anywhere close to that line. Let's go ahead and fade him and hope they go up early. Am I just sitting here laying a pipe dream right now? Or is this actually a chance that that it could end up happening where they just want to feed Dalvin Cook the rock and Alexander Madison? Yeah, I think so. First of all, I think Jefferson will be like owned. I think Cook will be owned too. I think they might be similar. If I had to guess, more people are going to play the receivers in the Miami Buffalo game. But I think Jefferson will certainly have a lot on him too. But I agree. I think just like you get, I think you get a little bit more out of playing the higher priced running backs from a construction slipping standpoint than you do playing. Uh, Justin Jefferson. So I'm with you. I mean, that's the thing with Jefferson, right? His ceiling course is immense, but you're you're going to play immense ceiling guys elsewhere, right? So it's like you know, if you're playing Jonathan Taylor or you're playing Dalvin Cook, well, they have they have as high of a ceiling as Justin Jefferson in a given game, right? They can match that, they can outpace that, and Cook, of course, leverages directly off of that. I like the Cook spot of all the running backs that are disappointed early. I think Cook's workload is the best of them. Like I don't think he has systemic issues. I don't think that he's cooked per se. Um, he's actually been used in the passing game, at least in theory, <laughs> in the first couple of weeks. It's just that it hasn't really amounted to much. So I think they're going to be able to get back to playing through him, especially see sometimes teams come off a loss. They start engaging in the running back uh, in the running game. I think he's a really nice spot this week. Yeah, I like it. And honestly, like, I love I love playing Justin Jefferson this week. Don't get me wrong. I'm just talking about for a stack for this game. I kind of want to fade Justin Jefferson in hopes that, you know, you can get some some 
additional points elsewhere. I mean, we talk about Justin Jefferson, where he's lining up. He's lining up, I believe it's over 38% of snaps have come from the slot. And he's going up against Mike Hughes. Now, Mike Hughes has a revenge game, right? You know, for Detroit over there for the slot cornerback. But is it really a revenge game or is it really going to be like an exploitation essentially for the Vikings who have had him on their team for four years now? Like, is this an area that they can actually just crush Mike Hughes and take advantage of him up against Justin Jefferson? Absolutely. But when it comes to this stack, I think I'm going to fade Justin Jefferson. And, and actually try to to tackle the running back stacks in this one. Throw in on Ronald St. Brown, who should see success underneath. I, I I don't really see how you can go wrong with that one. I think it's a lock. You can never go wrong with Amon Ross St. Brown. <laughs> oh, you know, God. I, don't who, I don't know who ever would have faded Amon Ross St. Brown at any point uh, in their life. I can't with you. I can't. All right, Jacob, what's your first game, man? Yeah, well, I've been hinting at, at the guy that I wanted to play, and that's the game I want to talk about is Kansas City and Indianapolis. Um, I mean, I think this is one of those spots where if this game happened in week one, right, if this game happened in week one, people would have been really pumped up to play Taylor. They would have been pumped up to play the Colts and pumped up to play all sides of this. But we just saw the Chiefs look downright bad on offense in a smash spot against the Chargers from the Island game. And then the Colts turned in one of the worst offensive performances you're going to see from any team in the NFL all year long uh, against Jacksonville. But now they get Michael Pippen back. They get Alec Pierce back, right? You get Raymond in there. So they're healthy on offense. They're still a little banged up on defense, but they are fully healthy on offense. And they're going to know what they need to do against the Chiefs, right? They have it in their mind, the game that they won in Sunday Night Football against the Chiefs in Arrowhead a couple years ago where they were able to run Marlon Mack all over the place against them. And the nice thing with Taylor, too, is that, you know, it's not just a matter of slowing the game down. He's such an explosive player that when he has his ceiling games, it usually is with big explosive plays, sometimes in the screen game, sometimes on the ground game, but he can have those 70 yard runs that actually help your game stacks as a whole. So I want to, like, it's going to be really hard to afford Taylor with Mahomes, but even if I can't do that, I want to get Taylor into lineups with Chiefs Springbacks, be that Juju or MVS or Nicole Hardman. You know, I think these guys are going to be a little bit potluck in terms of picking the one that's going to go with them, but, you know, I think you can try to do some sort of bring back there. And I want to be all over Taylor. Probably can't get to Matt Ryan, but I'll play Michael Pittman for sure um, as well. And I'll play Jonathan Taylor. And I think with these Chiefs, you know, you can go in a, in a variety of directions. Probably going to be hard for me structurally to get to Kelsey because it's going to force you to those cheap running backs I don't want to play. But any of the Chiefs receivers for sure are, are of interest. Yeah. And I, I love, you know, rolling out a possibility of CEH in this one. Even Jarrett McKinnon is somewhat sexy. I mean, the, the Colts do allow running backs to see targets at least in the receiving game big plays can happen as well so jeremy cannon i think is in there to an extent for me i don't want to roll him out in every single one but when we talk about value running backs he could end up fitting into that mold i don't love it but i could see it happening uh meanwhile ceh like i said is a play and i love michael pittman but juju smith schuster is actually the interesting guy for me i think that he makes a lot of lineups work uh you don't have to pay like you know an astronomical price Meanwhile, we know that the Colts get beat underneath. We've seen it happen now two weeks in a row. So Judas Smith-Schuster for me is a guy that I want to get in my lineups if I have Jonathan Taylor in there as well. Yeah, I agree with you on Juju. I mean, I'm mentioning I want to play high price running backs. How do you do that? You play lower price wide receivers. And Juju, I mean, it's fascinating. First week of the year, he's $5,200. Everybody wanted to play him. Big old chalk play at $5,200. He, I mean, it was like a moderate game in week one. Probably would have been a smash if the Cardinals were at all competitive, right? He got his entire production in the first half, and then the Cardinals couldn't play so they just basically didn't do anything in the second half but what happens he has a really terrible island game 
I mean, is he just not going to play anymore? I think he's still going to play. He's 5,500. 5,500 was 300 higher than he was the total smash chalk play in week one when it's the loosest pricing of the year. Now he's only $300 more in a good matchup. And, you know, people don't really want to play him at all this week, it seems. I'd be surprised if he gets up to 10% ownership. He might even be around 5% ownership. So Taylor Juju going to be a really common secondary correlation in my lineup. But I would also do Juju Pittman um, as well uh, in certain lineups. I, I really like this uh, I really like this game. I want to attack it in a few different angles. And Juju, probably my favorite play on the Chiefs side. And I think, like, with, with Patrick Mahomes also, like, we're going to see a lot of these, these matchups overshadowed by the Bills and Dolphins game, which I believe you're going to be bringing up here in a little bit. So like, I feel like this is one of those games where you have those high price opportunities where it's like, Hey, we have one running back. We have one wide receiver, uh, similar to, to the, you know, uh, the Minnesota Vikings where like, Hey, we have these players, but these guys are so much more expensive in terms of the stack wise that, that it could end up uh, creating a little bit of variance for opportunities to win in these, these GPPs. So, I did, by the way, want to mention that I do like Irv Smith Jr. as well. He's the guy that played 38% of his snaps out of the slot uh, last week. Irv Smith Jr. could absolutely smash again. If you need a cheap option to play in the Lions and Vikings game, I, I think that's the route to go. So are you all caught up? Are you ready to go for the next for my next uh, matchup? I am. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear it. Oh, it's exciting. It's so exciting, isn't it? Like, oh my God. Makes you want to scream, right, Jacob? I know you're in a <laughs> library right now, but it makes you want to scream. If anybody's wondering, I see we got a bunch of new viewers in here. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, maybe you skipped ahead. Jacob is stuck in a library right now, and it's hilarious. Uh, he wasn't supposed to be here, but he is. So let's go ahead and hop on to my next game, Commanders and eagles uh over under for this is 47 i don't think that's high enough i'm taking over every single time on this uh, and i know why they're doing it i know why you're doing this vegas it's because the eagles defense did so well last week and they shut out the vikings but hey don't forget it's kirk cousins in prime time right and we know what that means epic failure of course from kirk cousins so was it really the eagles defense hmm. No, it was. This is a good defense. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm not going to be playing barely any Carson Wentz in this one. Uh, for me, I want to put in the Eagles, right? I want to put these Eagles in, and I want to try and play like one-offs of Washington players. I don't need to play three or four Washington you know, football team guys. I don't need to play two, all right? I just need to play one, and I need to hope that that one goes off. Now, if I decide to play two, that's great. But we're talking about that more for cash lineups, I think, than GPPs. Uh, with Washington, right, the Eagles play so much more zone than the other two teams that they faced, right? The Eagles play zone. They, they back off. They let teams catch stuff underneath. And as we know, Ron Rivera wants his quarterbacks to take seven-step drops and to just bomb it almost every single play. And that's why Carson Wentz took those, those three sacks from Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson last week. It's because the offensive line is not good enough to keep these defenders off, to pick up the blitz and allow Carson Wentz to take these five and seven step drops that he's been doing, but it doesn't matter, right? Cause Ron Rivera hasn't changed this game plan whatsoever. He still wants to drop back. He still wants to pass. He wants to cover it to Terry Mc, you know, he wants to pass it to Terry McLaurin 15 yards on the field. He wants to get it to Jahan Dotson 15 yards on the field. Meanwhile, he can use Curtis Samuel underneath, but guess what? That means that Curtis Samuel is the only valuable option from this matchup. Now what the Eagles defense allows is short stuff underneath, similar to what we saw from, I don't know, the, the Eagles, uh, I'm sorry, the, the Rams last year, right? We're going to see a lot of dump offs. We're going to see a lot of available opportunities for those guys that do play underneath. 
Uh, I think this eliminates Logan Thomas from a lot of your lineups because a lot of Logan Thomas's routes are going to be corner routes, uh, you know, 15 yard outs where he gets in behind the secondary. He might have one lucky touchdown if he can get there, but honestly, that's garbage time touchdown, and I'm not going to rely on that because that's not the type of defense that, or not the type of plays that this Eagles defense allows. Uh, for me, I'm I'm going to be targeting pretty heavily, like I said, Curtis Samuel, but also Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson is playing out of the slot from time to time. Yes, it's Curtis Samuel's role, but Jahan Dotson could end up seeing touchdown, maybe two again. Maybe he sees three weeks in a row of touchdowns. I know he's not seeing a ton of targets. And honestly, please, Jacob, try to talk me off this. Like, I, I don't get it. I don't understand why he's not chalk. But 4,600 for Jahan Dotson, three touchdowns on the season. I get it. Like, he's he's running these routes. Like, he, he's not seen a ton of targets like I brought up. But, like, come on. It's 4,600 for Jahan Dotson. It, it's, it's absolutely, like, just insanity to not at least give him a shot. And I don't even like him this week. I don't want to play him, but I feel like I have to. I, I like Dotson this week, uh, so I'm not going to talk you out of it. All right, God. I'm not going to talk you out of it. If you want some, if you want someone to scream at you to tell you out of Jahan Dotson, there's some children out playing video games. They'll they might have a more a more firm opinion on it than I will, but I think Dotson's a solid play. Um, I think that the projection sources that are keeping him down a little bit, especially relative to Samuel, that's going to keep his ownership down. It's really that he hasn't earned a lot of targets on his routes, which is a fair criticism. Like if he was, if this was like, I don't know, Marvin Jones or something, and he was running all the routes and he wasn't earning targets, which I guess that is Marvin Jones. Um, I'd be like, mm -hmm. well, it's, you know, that's like this, just who this guy is. He's not going to earn targets. I don't know if that's who Dotson is. You know, I, I don't, I didn't hold him in like, the same high regard as a prospect that I did a Garrett Wilson or a Drake London. So it doesn't shock me that he's not coming out and alphing a million targets right away. But we usually see with rookies that we see more efficiency early and then we see more volume later if, if they're able to prove to themselves that they're efficient. You know, Dawson's already leading the team in routes. That's incredible, right? $4,600 leading the team in routes in a game with a high total. And he also is a guy that gets targets down the field and he clearly gets targets within the red zone, right? And he's looked really, really strong. Like all of his catches, the ones that he's had are impressive. Like this does not look like a guy who can't get open. It's not like he's just kind of like running a bunch of wind sprints and getting targeted on some drag routes. Like he is forcing himself open in the red zone. Why wouldn't he be able to get more opportunities, right? We're talking about a rookie who's played two NFL games. To me, like I don't want to miss the forest through the trees and try to spin a rookie's first two NFL games, which he scored three touchdowns as anything but a positive. And so I'm going to continue playing more dots than I think, and less Curtis Samuel, just based off of where the ownership looks and also the archetype of the kind of downfield receiver that I want to play when I'm stacking, because it's not just about who scored more points. Like maybe Samuel, I think might be a better standalone play, but if I'm stacking this game, like a million Curtis Samuel checkdowns aren't super helpful to the stack as a whole. But if Dotson's able to get loose for one deep, he's able to score on those. Like that helps the game more than Curtis Samuel, like helping along long methodical drives. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense because if Curtis Samuel's earning all the targets independently. You know, he's still seen the same points that Jahan Dotson's seen, but now the game isn't moving. The game is just sitting still because they're seeing passes underneath. So it makes sense. And I mean, we talk about James Bradbury, right? James Bradbury is somebody that cannot cover quick twitch type wide receivers. We saw him struggle to cover Terry McLaurin when Terry McLaurin first came into the league. Now, you know, they brought in Darius Slay and, and McLaurin hasn't been able to do anything up against, up against Darius Slay. Like I want to fade McLaurin as hard as I possibly can. Meanwhile, now you have James Bradbury who's going to be on Jahan Dotson. And guess what Jahan Dotson does really well? Quick twitch type moves to get open, especially downfield. James Bradbury is going to have his hands full. And when they end up seeing Jahan Dotson move to the slot, 
Avante Maddox has not been able to cover anybody in the slot this year. And I don't think Avante Maddox is terrible. I just think that that's the only option that Philly is giving people are these quick underneath type routes in most cases. So I, I think that John Dotson actually is a legitimate uh, play this week. And I think that he actually breaks the mold of the limited targets that he's seen over the first two weeks. And we could see a, a seven to eight type target performance uh, up against this, this defense, because guess what? The Eagles are going to be up right? <laughs> They're going to be up. And I, I think that's the scariest thing about starting Jalen Hurts this week. And I love Jalen Hurts. I, I think that he's a, a massive play and I want to get him into a ton of lineups. But what if the Eagles go up by three touchdowns, right? And they just run the ball, not using Jalen Hurts for the rest of the time. Same fear with Miles Sanders, right? Like they're not going to run out Miles Sanders late into the to the fourth quarter over and over and over again. Well, they might after Kenny Gainwell volleyballed away uh, the, the salting drive on Monday night. They, they might not give him that opportunity again to be the club. Oh, all right. Don't even bring that up. All right. Do we have to talk about Maybe Trey Sermon will be active this week. Oh, God. Kenny, Kenny Gainwell, that, that was like the it. equivalent of like, the team is up eight to three, so they don't send in the regular closer. They're just like, we'll give the closer a night off, like at a baseball game in the ninth inning. And they're like, okay, we'll send in the, the middle reliever just to, you know, save our closer. And then he like hits the first batter, walks a couple guys. And they're like, all right, get out of here, but <laughs> we, can't, we can't let this nonsense happen. <sighs> Kenny Gain will still play for me, by the way, this week. He makes a lot of lineups work, okay? And he's not going to be a very popular play because exactly what you just said. I'm just saying, you know, Washington struggles up against pass catching running backs as well. So you are kind of bringing up my next point is what was worse, do you think? The Kenny Gainwell volleyball interception or Justice Hill running out of bounds instead of into the end zone? I think the the worst thing was Nick Chubb scoring, but no, nah, that was that was tough to predict. That was such a wild that, week. Did man. you see that Justice Hill run where he was just like where did you see that clip? Where yep. he's like moving laterally, and it's like you have the entire end zone, and he, and he just like jukes himself out of bounds and runs into Rashad Bateman. It's like, what are you doing? It, it was bad. It reminds me of the Hawkinson one from two years ago on Thanksgiving, where Hawkinson has a clear line of the end zone, but it said he runs to the middle of the field. Oh, and Travis Kelsey did that again this past week. Or, well, Travis Kelsey did it for the first time that I noticed this past week, where he wrote, Yes, I see it. It's bad. It's embarrassing, especially I'm sure that they get chewed out in the game film room. Like when all the teammates are around, like that has to be one of the most embarrassing moments ever is when you have to explain to your teammates what was going through your head as you ran away from the end zone and set out of bounds. Oh, Justice Hill. R.I.P. Man, come on back, <laughs> J.K. Dobbins. Please. I can't watch this anymore. Mike Davis in that game too. He got four um, short yardage carries and he had four carries for zero yards on those four attempts. I can't. Okay. All right. Let's hop back on track. Here we go. I feel like it's Wednesday night all over again. We're just way off track. Let's hop back on. Let's let's finish this up with uh, AJ Brown. He's an obvious stack for this week. I want to play him whether he's naked or whether he's fully clothed, stacked with everybody else. Um, I want to find a way to get both Hertz and AJ Brown in my lineups. If that's the case, typically you're going to be going pretty cheap on the rest of it. But I feel like if you run with a, a Hertz Brown. Jahan Dotson type stack. You can even throw Miles Sanders in there and you'll be okay. But I, I would love to start out with the Hertz, AJ Brown, Jahan Dotson stacks, Curtis Samuel, if you must, but I feel like that's going to be way too chalky and you're going to have to get like pivot really hard after that. You have to play somebody that, that you would never dream of playing. Like, uh, I don't know. Raheem Mostert, <laughs> you want to play Raheem Mostert this week? I mean, I think you could play Raheem Mostert this week, right? I, I, I know we're going to talk about it. Situation. Um, I think, um, yeah, the Philly receivers are really fascinating because, like, independently, none of the receivers 
Smith, Brown, or Goddard seem to project particularly high in ownership. But we've seen this a lot where there's a rushing quarterback that projects really high in ownership, like Hertz does. You know, especially if Herbert isn't going to play, you know, Hertz ownership will even go up. Him and Allen, uh, that'll consolidate around those two, and maybe a little bit to Mahomes. Um, but then it's like those receivers often come in higher on than you think. So I don't know. What what do you think about Tavana Smith? Because like my like leverage brain would say like I'll play Smith. He's only fifty two hundred dollars. He has a ceiling. Even if he doesn't project well, so he won't be owned. But I know you don't like uh, necessarily his deployment for this week. I don't think. So here's the deal with Tavonta Smith. I like Tavonta Smith if and only if you're playing with AJ Brown and Hurts. He's at fifty two hundred. He makes some other plays pretty difficult to play. Um, I don't see that being a chalky stack because like you brought up, uh, you know, it's it's a running quarterback, right? So a lot of people are banking on on Hertz to to get it with his legs. So I don't see that being a chalky stack just because of the way the pricing works out with AJ Brown being so expensive and Devonta Smith not being cheap. Like if you're using a rushing quarterback and you play let's let's do um Rashad Bateman if Rashad Bateman was more expensive, right? And then we had Lamar Jackson and then you played you know, a, a James Prochet or something like that. That's typically the type of stacks that we would see. You know, we're probably going to see a decent amount of like Quez Watkins stacked with one of these two receivers and Jalen Hurts, right? Maybe not a ton, but a decent amount. So for me, like Devonta Smith is somebody that I would like to stack with a more expensive player to make my Hurts and AJ Brown stack not be as chalk. But you would play, so you'd be more likely to play Hurts plus Brown plus Smith and just Hurts Smith? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I understand like playing the Hurts and Smith role, like, but... You know, Hurts just came. I mean, Smith just came off a seven reception, seven target performance. You know, where he looked great, and his price now does not reflect the way that he looked last week. So, like, are we going to see that same sort of thing? And I'd rather not chase the points there. Like, I'd rather not chase the production without some sort of uh, methodical way to get away from the chalk. Because I do think that that play, although not you know crazy chalk, like not the you know Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins type chalk, but still enough chalk to be like, okay, where can I actually gain an advantage in this in this matchup? or in this this stack okay cool 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 I'm, I'm with that so what uh yeah i mean i like this game i don't have anything like super crazy are you playing you've been talking a lot about gibson the last couple weeks are you in on gibson or out on gibson in this one so i am in on gibson this week and, and that's something that i was gonna end up trying to make my way around too but i wanted to make sure we had time to actually talk about it, it looks like we're doing great on time because i could talk about gibson all day uh but no uh the eagles see a lot of people think that when Teams play zone coverage, right? They end up playing the, the zone coverage that all of a sudden it allows openings all over the defense to pass underneath, which I talk about a lot. But that's not always the case, especially at the running back position. Like just because a, a team plays up against running back or they play zone, like that does not mean that that running back is going to get receptions, even if that team is down, because sometimes they'll end up putting a spy on the running back. Or maybe that zone has a press up front where they press the wide receiver and then they let the wide receiver run. Meanwhile, you pick up anybody that's coming out of the backfield or you pick up the tight end. That's what opens up these underneath routes for guys like Curtis Samuel, who will see a ton of targets, right? And that's the type of t the that's the type of, of zone coverage that the Eagles play, where you're going to see a ton of stuff underneath but they have to be coming out of the backfield. They have to come from the tight end slot in order to be, get picked up by these cornerbacks underneath. So although the Eagles have allowed a decent amount of receptions to the running back, they've also contained them. And with Gibson, we need to see the receptions that he does get. We need to see a significant amount of efficiency from those. We need to see one that goes for 60 yards and gets a touchdown, right? We need, we need to see uh, essentially the touchdowns. Now, what I do like is the usage that I've been seeing from Gibson, and I also like how the the Eagles haven't been great up against the running back. 
uh, sure they they stuffed uh Dalvin Cook last week but Dalvin Cook had what nine rushes like he wasn't really being utilized right he wasn't being utilized to correct way they were pretty much saying hey go run to the middle real quick and and just act like we're going to use you so that way we can try and use a, a play action fake this week right like that's that's pretty much what they were doing they were just running him so that they could pass but they could use play action fakes to pass like that's all they were doing they weren't running him because they wanted to run him we know that washington wants to run the ball you know they want to establish their run they want to try and get physical up front and although the eagles do have a little bit more depth to what most see uh, we've seen some terrible performances by individuals all across this this Philadelphia defensive line. All it takes is one missed gap. And it seems like it's been happening a lot for the Eagles, especially in week one. I feel like Gibson could actually be a play. And the best part is, is like, he's not going to be owned. He's 200, I think more than what he was last week. Right. But he had a terrible performance last week, but yet his still went up probably because of the amount of ownership that he saw in week two compared to week one. Right. So like his ownership, is going to go down this week, although his values or his, his price is going to go up. The people around him, you're going to want to play. You're going to want to play Leonard Fournette most likely, you know, over top of him because Leonard Fournette's going to see a ton of targets. I think CH yeah, is Leonard, right in that Leonard, realm. Leonard Fournette's looking like over 30% owned. Yeah, James Robinson is another guy that that is probably going to see some sort of significant ownership because he can't really pass as well up against the Chargers. You know, people like already have this mindset in place. Plus James Robinson's hot. So they're going to play ET and they're going to play James Robinson, but James Robinson's probably going to see higher ownership of, of Gibson. So like there's people that are falling into that range of like, Oh, I need to play one more guy. You know, I got what, or what is he sitting at 64, right? So I got 64. He, they're not going to end right up pivoting to Gibson. Now. He will probably be one of the least owned players on the slate for anybody above like what 5k in, in terms of running backs. <laughs> Yeah, he'll be he'll be down there. I think he'll be under five percent. I don't think Robinson's going to get that much. Maybe if it is Chase Daniel, uh, maybe if it is Chase Daniel, he'll see a little bit more on Robinson just because it'll help yeah. out the script projection. Yeah, of course. Of I course. mean, I think running back, we're going to see so much Fournette, we're going to see so much Montgomery, we're going to see so much Damian Pierce, and then we're going to see so much Vegas running back. I think that's yes. going to be the stuff that we're going to see a lot of. And then then you have the guys up top in the great matchups. You have Mixon against the Jets, you have Cook against the Lions. I think we'll see a lot of that. I mean, I think Gibson is a fine play. It's, I think it's also, um, you know, I'm not sure if I'd play Gibson. <sighs> hmm, I'm going back and forth. I'm not, I think there's something to be said for playing Gibson in stacks, but I also wonder if, like, if you're just trying to, to, to play off of the Eagles and you're trying to really flip the, the expected game script, you want to play Gibson, maybe that could work too. Because, I mean, if the Eagles get up out in front and they're really having success on offense, I'm not sure Gibson has the juice to get there just because you're going to see so many J.D. McKissick snaps. But um, I think he's he's interesting. I think he's, like, viable. His role's been sneaky pretty good through through two weeks. Um, it only gets bad if they're in negative script, but it's always possible if they're not in negative script just because the market says they're going to be. doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to happen. Well, the worst part is McKissick's actually allowed a bunch of pressures uh to happen while he's been pass blocking that was the biggest reason i think more so than fumbles it was gibson's inability to pass block this past year and he's done a great job so far this year of keeping defenders off of carson Wentz back like he's showing that he can play third downs now which is really exciting for for gibson truthers of course but uh you know i, I still think that you, we could see some breakaway runs i think we could see some some blown assignments and with how these this offense operates where they want to send their receivers deep and they use misdirections with Curtis Samuel, and they send their tight end deep. We could see some some big chunk yardage gains from Antonio Gibson. Hopefully, a breakaway run. Uh, in terms of the passing game, sure, I'll take the targets that he gets, but I'm more so looking at breakaway runs like we saw from DeAndre Swift and whatnot uh, in Week One up against the Eagles. So I think that that Gibson is a play. It's a contrarian play. It's not my favorite play on the slate. 
played, I'm like, dude, let's let's do it. Let's see what happens in a few lineups, man. Like, this could be the guy that breaks the slate because nobody else plays him, and he ends up having two breakaway runs for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Like, that's the type of play that we could see from Gibson. Is it likely? Probably not, but that's why he's not chalk. I'm open to it. All right. Uh, last and, and, game, right? Well, oh, real quick, real quick. I mean, I do want to let everybody know that it's not just about, you know, trying to find, you know, advantages from what we tell you, right? Like there's advantages all over the place. And that's why if you use player profile or hedge, like that is where I'm getting a lot of this information from. I mean, what they do is they accumulate a bunch of different, you know, betting sites. They put everything in one. They try to find like the best bets to, to help you make them. And so I saw that Gibson, like the lines that they were using surrounding this game and surrounding him, they didn't exist. Like, I mean, I was like, what are you guys even thinking with, with some of these bets? So of course I went on to, you know, play profiler edge and, and I took a bunch of, of the bets on there and I was like, dude, I got to hammer away. And that's how I made money last night as well. So if you actually go on right now to play profiler edge, you can do a three day trial. So you can do one for like the weekend. You can take what we're saying and see if it actually applies and, and go make a few of those bets that, that play, uh, Play Profiler Edge is recommending for you to make. So go check it out over there, playerprofiler.com. Do the three-day trial. It's 99 cents for the three-day trial. Go knock it out. All right, man. And I got another, got another ad for you, another great stuff. Uh, I want to talk about no house advantage, right? I'm probably a little bit disadvantaged, right, because I'm in a library, whereas you're in your house. So you have the house advantage, right? So Yes, I do, baby. Know. In, in, if you're if you're like me and you have no house advantage, uh, you don't want to check out no house advantage because no house advantage is changing the game. They're offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available on the planet Earth. Anywhere you are, whether you're out down in the United States, whether you're in your home, whether you're in a library, whether you're in your Vancouver Island, you can play. Well, there might be some geographical restrictions actually, but regardless, you can play in pick'em contests versus other people for the shot of winning two hundred fifty thousand dollars plus in cash. Download the app. Choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every single day. You can also test your skills versus the house. You can 20x your entry if you get all your picks. That's huge. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual. You can do all that with no house advantage. Enter code UNDERWORLD for your deposit match. Chase, you've been big into the pick'em streets, and you, got, you had a really bad uh, pick'em experience. Do you want to quickly share your, your pick'em experience with the public as some form of catharsis before I give our last game? I lost a lot of money last night. Uh, thank you, Jacob, for, for bringing this up right now. I thought I was over it. I guess I'm not. Oh, my God. I took a five-game parlay. I mean, a five-player parlay last night, and I nailed them all. I nailed them. I knocked out of the park. I'm dancing. I'm popping bottles of champagne. I'm buying shots for people at the bar. I'm, like, rocking and rolling. Uh, I was stoked. I, I couldn't be more stoked. I had the under on Kenny, or not Kenny Pickett. That's who I'm hoping will play, you know, from here on out. On Mitch Trubisky, I had the under. Uh, I believe he was sitting at 199.5 yards. Last play of the game, he ends up throwing like a, an 11 yard uh, past the middle of the field or whatever it was. I lost it all. Lost it all. I mean, that was one of the craziest last plays. I mean, for people that are on Twitter, I literally, I've, I've had never been, I've never had a better call in my life. Like, I tweeted out before the play during the commercial grade because I'm, st I'm starting Browns D uh, on my co-managed FFPC team with Josh Larkey. And uh, and I tweeted out, please, Browns defense, get the, get the defensive touchdown on the hook and lateral. And then they did it, and I was so psyched. And I was even playing against Najee Harris. Literally, he gets the fumble. It was sick. But yeah, two props. Trubisky went over on that play, and then Claypool went from an over to an under. 
because even though we didn't catch the pass, it's Deontay. Deontay laterals it to Claypool. Claypool runs backwards six yards, and so he loses six receiving yards, even though he's not registering a reception. Absolutely. I was if you bet the so Claypool over. pissed. I was so ridiculously pissed. I mean, the amount of money was, was stupid. Every single one of my bets that I put in, I ended up losing on. I, I actually made money, right? I still ended up making a little bit of money. It wasn't a lot, but I still made a little bit. But the amount of money, the gap that I saw last night, I am, it sucked. It sucked, but it's okay. I, I'm going to get back on the pickums. I'm going to get back on the horse this week. I've already placed uh, two bets with pickums for five game parlays. I hit uh, last week on six out of the eight that I placed. Um, I used insurance on four of them. Uh, the other two I hit straight up all five games. So I'm going to end up hopping back on the horses this week. We got to see exactly where I go on those Sunday plays. But hey, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. These guys are really good at setting the lines. I'll just put it that way. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to talk about our last game. How about that? All right. We got one Let's more game it. to talk through. I mean, this is going to be the game of the week. We saved the best game for last, but I am not sure how to play it. And maybe you can help. Bills and Dolphins, highest over under on the slate. Um, seems clearly to me it is the best game on the slate. You have two teams that have a really high pass rate over expectation. We have a two-week sample that now with Miami in both positive and negative game script. We have like a two-plus year sample that the Bills want to throw it all around the lot. I think it should be a close game. You see the Bills have uh, people out in their secondary, so you could easily see it to be back and forth. And we know that if either team falls behind, they will do so competitively. They will keep passing the football. They will keep finding ways to get back to the game. I think the biggest issue that I'm having with this game how do I play it? Because last week, the condensed offense of Miami was what was so appealing. Nobody was really playing the Miami-Baltimore game. The only guy in that game that had a particularly high degree of ownership was uh, Tyreek Hill, and then to a lesser extent, Mark Andrews. But Waddle and Bateman had really nothing much on them. The quarterbacks weren't especially highly owned either. And so it was great. Both offenses really only throw to two guys. You just play those four guys together or some combination of the two of them or three of them, and you're good to go. This week, that condensation works against you because if everybody's going to play that game, there's just not that many ways to do it. Like if you're playing Miami, they had over 60% of their targets uh, go to the two players, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, the third highest uh, or the third most targeted receiving option on that team last week in a game that Tua threw for 469 yards and six touchdowns was Mike Kosicki, four targets. Randy cut all four for 41 yards. So it's a total two-man show. Anybody else in Miami is almost unplayable um, in their receiving game. So if you're playing the Miami side, it has to be to Tyreek or Waddle or both. And then in the Buffalo Bills side, it's like you have Diggs, who's this massive force. Gabe Davis, they're saying, might play, but probably limited. And it's like the opposite. It's like it's super condensed on digs. And then everybody else is so spread where you have a potential Gabe Davis Kumaro rotation on the outside, a McKenzie Crowder rotation in the slot. The running backs rotate a lot on both sides. You're not even sure who's going to get the most snaps. If you're playing this game, how do you play it? Or does that difficulty where all the ownership is going to consolidate on digs, Waddle, Tyreek, and there's not really that many strongly projecting other guys, does that just take you off the game entirely? Uh, how, how are you thinking about this? I mean, like, dude, can you not play digs? I mean, yes, you can actually not play digs, right? So he's actually had really terrible matchups, I believe, up against Xavier Howard um, from the brief research that I was able to do on their previous matchups. I just started looking into it and uh, you know, it's it's not a ton of them, but it's enough to be like, okay, like there's there's an issue there. there there's a disconnect. Um, some of the issue is that it's been played in cold weather. Uh, you know, 
other issues I didn't have a chance to look into, such as recent injuries, other targets, other players. It was more so like just a graze over this. And I was like, oh, crap, there's something here, but I have got a show in 30 minutes and I don't have time to dive into it as much. So maybe I'll post something on Twitter uh, once I actually get to dive into this because I didn't think it was a thing up until I started looking into it a little bit more. So I'm going to do a little bit more research on that. Check out my Twitter over there at FF underscore intervention. So that way you guys have a chance to, to see the research that I kind of turn up over the next two days um, in terms of this matchup. But Diggs is spotty, um, you know, at, at best from time to time. And in terms of his pricing, he's not at the elite level yet. Like he's, yeah, he's 7,700 over here on DraftKings, so he's not even he's not even above 8K yet. Uh, that means that uh, his ownership is going to be through the roof, right, Jacob? I mean, do you have the ownership numbers in front of you? Like, I haven't been able to, to do the, the ownership numbers on this quite yet, but I'm thinking, like, at least 30%, right? Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to get quite to 30, but I, I think he's probably the most highly owned. I, I'm seeing projections around the industry ranging from 20 to 30. So yeah, I would, I would guess it's going to be within 25 to 30%. Um, he's going to be a ton. And I think Tua, and, or sorry, Tyreek and Waddle, I think both end up around 15%. So I think I, I think that there's, I don't think that there is, which is really unfortunate. Um, I don't think in this game there's an option to play a player who projects favorably at low ownership. Like I think the only three players that project really well are those three players. They're all going to be owned. Um, I think that the one guy that I, is like maybe my flag plant in this game, but I'm just not sure if it's enough to like build stacks around, is a guy that I don't even like normally, but Dawson Knox. Um, Dawson Knox yes. has had his routes curtailed this year, which is a, which is troubling. Like last year, he ran almost every route year. He was up over 80% all the time. Doesn't run a lot of targets on his routes because I don't frankly think he's very good. But um, he ran a lot of routes and he played on the Bills and that resulted in a lot of touchdown opportunities. This year, he's been staying in to block more on passing downs, which is pretty troubling. But they've also controlled games both times, right? They've completely dummied their opponents in the first two weeks. And so they haven't had to spread out quite as much. You know, if you're playing this game as a stack, like you're probably playing under the assumption that Miami is at least keeping pace, right? Like if the Bills just like are resting their starters by the end of the third quarter, that's not particularly good for this game. So I think you can maybe hope that if, especially if Gabe Davis is limited in this game or, or can't play at all, and they're actually in a back and forth shootout with Miami, maybe Knox's routes move up a little bit. He's 4,100. Um, and you know, his, in terms of, uh, um, sorry, <laughs> if you're listening if, to the podcast version, you just got like a, a million spam messages in our chat and I just lost, lost my train of thought entirely. <laughs> They're sexy <laughs> badges. They're yeah. messages. Jake also check those out after the show. 3,100. <laughs> no, so, all right, for me, there's very few ways this game can go, right? It can be a shootout. That's one. All right. It can be a Bills blowout. That's two. Or it could be a game where. The Bills try to slow it down. We, we see a little bit of struggling happening from Josh Allen, who it happens, you know, once or twice a year. Josh Allen struggles significantly up against a certain matchup because the defense just has his number. He throws a few interceptions, whatever it brings it down. Um, and then it's a 
I already said it's a blowout, but I'm like I'm talking about like a blowout to epic proportions where the backups come in by the third quarter and we're just seeing a run. That's once again by the Bills side. Now, I do think it's a shootout. I do think it can be a shootout, and I do think that Miami has a chance to win this game, but I don't think the Bills are going to be dummy at that point if it is a shootout to where like that's not going to happen because if Miami goes up, they're going to keep the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. So they're going to slow the whole game down, and it will probably be a lower-scoring game, which is essentially what you kind of hope for if you're fading this game as a whole. If you're not fading this game as a whole, I think that you should roll out Josh Allen with somebody like a Khalil Shakur or a maybe a Isaiah McKenzie. I mean, like that's almost like where I'm at. It's so gross because they don't get the targets. But yeah, you don't, you're just betting on touchdowns, right? Yeah, just betting on Top touchdowns. Point. And then I'm trying to play these other matchups that we've talked about. Like I'm trying to play a bunch of Dalvin Cooks, right? I'm trying to play a bunch of AJ Browns. I'm trying to play like you know, oh, an AJ Brown plus uh miles sanders would be like a sexy one where hey miles sanders gets all the rushing touchdowns this game jalen hurts doesn't rush for a single one meanwhile Aylin, or aj brown gets 150 yards receiving and one touchdown and jalen hurts throws his only touch so you have to hope hope for like other stacks to to essentially bomb meanwhile betting against stefan diggs you, you could roll out gabriel davis to an extent if he plays but more so i'm hoping that all of a sudden we're dealing with two touchdowns to an isaiah mckenzie or maybe uh Josh Allen hits two running backs. You know, he hits Zach Moss for a touchdown. He hits, you know, Devin Singletary for one touchdown. They don't get any rushing yards on the ground. Essentially, I'm hoping for like the weirdest situation for this game to have because I feel like it is going to be a shootout. It's just like, who do you want to pair with these guys? And then we have to dive into a hundred different players that we have to try and line up with this matchup in order to get the perfect matchup. And guess what? I don't have that kind of bankroll where I'm going to go out and play these $10 matches. And I'm going to max out 150 contests and $10 matches with this one. Like that's just not the the type of matchup that I want to bet on this week. I'd rather bet against it and limit the other uh, lineups that I have or essentially go and play those other lineups. But I mean, if I'm going to play this one, I'm cool. I'm cool with, with, you know, just playing Josh Allen, like naked or possibly playing, uh, you know, one of these, these second or third string wide receivers. Yeah, I'll say really quick, because um, I want to make sure we get in the lineup in before we have to head out of here, but I think the three ways I'm probably most likely to play this game would be, well, first of all, I'm probably just going to be underweight on this game, unfortunately, even though I think it's a really great yep. game, just because of the the issues like that I mentioned in terms of finding high projecting options at low ownership. I think Allen Knox skinny stack play for a couple touchdowns to Knox, maybe an Allen rushing touchdown, something like that, um, where you have a unique way to play it. And of course, just one of Tyreek or Waddle on the bring back. Um, and then the other way, you know, I might do it is maybe just over stack it, like in a small field where like if you just play Allen, Diggs, Knox, and Waddle, and Tyreek. So it's like if the game like really, really extends, you just have the most of it, um, and so you're you're able to beat out all the all the skinny stacks of it. I think that's somewhat workable. Um, and then I think maybe the other way would be you know just kind of play the normal stack, I guess, but then just kind of do some weird kind of weirdo running back picks like maybe play like a travis Etienne or something um in the same kind of the range that all the other guys because there's the, so much ownership is going to consolidate around montgomery and pierce i think if there's like one big theme of this week before we build the lineup it's that the two most owned running backs after four and well three honestly let's include four next that game has really low total now too all the most owned running backs the slate are in games with like puny ass totals, right? People are actually, people are gonna play tons of Pierce, tons of Montgomery. The game is a total of 40, right? And I'm not saying they can't hit, they are good plays of value, especially Montgomery, I think more than Pierce. But 
that game is such an easy path to failure. Like we just saw this with the Giants in Carolina last week, right? With Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley, who are who are infinitely better players than Montgomery and Pierce. Where like if you just have two horrible offenses and the game doesn't do anything, and both teams score like one touchdown, like those scores are easily surmountable, right? You can just you can beat out with your guys. So that's a big like the big takeaway that I would get in terms of every game stack is I'm trying to look at how does this game stack help me or hurt me in terms of getting away from these guys that I think are are really fragile chalk plays and at the end of the day like if those guys beat me they beat me but I think that you have two outs whenever you're looking at appears for Montgomery which is like one they fail and the game's super fragile two they hit but they hit in a way that if you're able to hit big on ceiling plays like a Taylor or McCaffrey, you're able to beat them by like 15 points, and then you just have to find alternate games to, to beat them up. So I'll, I'll quickly throw out just because it's um, we don't have time to delve all the way into it, but pending what happens with Herbert, uh, I'm, I'm pretty decently interested in Jacksonville as another cheap stack, and I would be pretty interested in uh, the Falcons, Mariota plus Pitts or London yeah. against Seattle. All right, let's build this lineup. You got it up, Jacob. You ready to roll? Sweet. We're going to build up a lineup for you guys. We're going to do this real quick because we do have to be out of here in like seven or eight and a half minutes uh, due to the next show up here on Roto One World. So let's go ahead and pull this one in and let's let's build this lineup fast. Uh, Jacob, which yeah, what's that? Which which lineup do you want to start with? I mean, I, th- I think Jared Goff makes it fun. Um, I play golf, but I mean. All right, let's go with Hurts then. I'm honestly like I, I love the thought of playing Kyler Murray as a naked rollout, but uh, you know, if we're gonna build on stacks, well, do, you know what? I kind of like the golf because golf lets us play whoever we so want. So let's do that's the golf. Exactly what I'm saying. Like the pricing yeah. for that makes it infinite, and if he throws three touchdowns, yeah. 350 yards, we're in the game. Okay. Like we're in the game, cool. and, and yeah, we just so saw what happened in the defense. This lineup, right? Yeah, we definitely want to play Dobbin Cook. Okay, and then who do we want to play from the Detroit side? Do we want to play so Swift, Amon Ra? I want to play both. You want to play both? Okay. I'm open yep. to that. Sure. And then I also, if you're down for this, we don't have to be down for this. Like, it, this is seeming too easy. But Irv Smith Jr., right? Like, if, way too owned for me. I mean, how chalk is this lineup going to be without Justin Jefferson in this? Um, I think Irv's going to be double Jefferson's ownership. Okay. All right, so, so let's think, go ahead. I think, I think that there's, I think there's a danger. Like, so Irv projects really, really well. Um, like he's thirty one hundred dollars, and he ran a ton of routes, and he got great usage last week. Like, I don't know. Do you want like, what ownership do you think he's going to be? I think he's going to be twenty five percent, and I don't want to. Oh my play a 25% god, twenty five percent. No, he he won't be that high, will he? I think he's going to be 25%. All right. Well, there's a massive gap means. between like Waller and Kyle Pitts. So I love Kyle Pitts, 48. Um, Higby, 300 less. Higby's seen like what, 20 targets in two weeks. So Higby offers yeah, for an upside. Like 45. That's like, that just feels expensive for Tyler Higby. Um, Do you want to go with Kyle Pitts? I mean, I don't think a bunch of people are going to be on him. They're going to see that 3.9 yeah. points. I mean, Kyle pretty, Pitts makes it interesting. Intense. Pretty, pretty. You just wanted to play Pitts. You just wanted to play <laughs> Pitts. That's all. Like oh my god! Uh, all right, I'm, I'm, or we go I'm with Dawson Knox. I'm okay with the Knox thing too. Um, so, well, let's let's do this. We have we have our stack in here. Let's do it like we always do. We each get two picks. Uh, you know, you t- you tend to go first and eat up all my salary. No, you, <laughs> let's have you go. I picked the stack this week. The past two right, weeks we've done I'm your picking, stack. So okay, so let's right, go I'm with yours. Kyle Pitts. Lock button. Kyle Pitts. <laughs> okay, so you're picking the guy we <laughs> just agreed on, anyways. <laughs> All right, hey, do we want to throw a DST in here? Do we want to throw a DST in here real quick? Uh, 
I'm not I, tied I did... to them, but I'll just throw one in there. Okay. Um, everyone's going to play the Jags against Chase Daniel, so that's probably not a good one. Um, I don't know. Was, I, I like Houston, or I like the Texans up against Chicago. Yeah, that's fine. Let's just throw them in. Yeah, we can always adjust later. Yeah, and I mean, it gives us a low enough one. All right, so what are we sitting at? Uh, About 5K. Let's go ahead and I'll take Cedric Wilson. No, I'm going to go John Dotson. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I think that is a way, by the way. I told you to play like some some crazy plays. Like Cedric Mm -hmm. Wilson gets away from the chalk as well. So I'm not against Cedric Wilson. Do I think he's going to get a bunch of work? No, but I mean, it could be a guy that actually game script in because they know that Buffalo is going to be focused on that. And everybody's hurt in Buffalo, by the way. I don't think we talked about that. Everybody, the whole entire secondary is hurt. I think Poyer practiced today, but everybody else is beat up. So like, I mean, I don't think that Cedric Wilson is a terrible play uh, as a contrarian pick for this lineup. Obviously, if you're playing, you know, Waddle to a Cedric or you're playing Hill, to a Cedric, like I think that actually works just as a uh, a pivot back there. But yeah, I'm gonna go John Dotson. I talked about it. I don't love it, but the price is right. Uh, I, I I can't get away with it. I, I or I can't get away from it. I feel like I should go Curtis Samuel in this one, but at the same time, we know that he's gonna be chalk and he's probably gonna fit into a lot of these type lineups as a chalky play as well. So I'm gonna go pivot to the cheaper option. Hope I get a little bit less ownership and take John Dotson. I like that. Uh, I like Jahan Dotson. And I mean, I like where our lineup is at because, you know, I think the only guy that's probably going to be played in a ton of lineups that we have is St. Brown. Cook's going to be a little bit, but not too, too much. So we got Dotson locked in. So we have about an average of 5K per player here, uh, which is an interesting spot. I'm trying to think in terms of some, actually trying to leave you someone reasonable here. Um, you don't have to. I mean, you can do what I do to you every week. <laughs> Well, I try to be a little bit more considerate than you are. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play a dude that I have a strong feeling about, and then feel free to adjust with the defense with your play if you want to get up or down a little bit more. But I'm gonna play Traylon Burks in this lineup. Um, I think that what we saw last week was they recognized that this is the guy that has juice in their offense. Derrick Henry not creating as much as he as he used to. Um, Robert Woods, Nick Westbrook, Kikine, we're not getting it done. He came out, he started, he had 73% of routes. I think that his projection is still a little low, frankly, on, on most sites, because I think that most people are baking in that he's only going to run 70% of the routes. I mean, I think we want to get ahead of the game with these rookies. We saw this with Garrett Wilson, where he popped in week one on limited routes, and unsurprisingly, the Jets were like, oh yeah, this guy's really good, to give him a bunch more routes in week two. I think we could see Burke scale up to 85 90% of routes in a, in a game that I think should be pretty competitive with the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I, I could easily see uh, Burks, you know, if he's playing a full-time role, then he, I think he could be a smash 4,900. He's been earning a target on even a higher percentage of his routes than Garrett Wilson and Drake London. Um, I'm, I'm making him kind of an I know better type of stand this week. Uh, I'm, I'm quite in on Burks. I want to get him into a lot of lineups and want a chance to talk about him here. All right. So for me, I find myself at this spot a lot when I try to build this stack. Like it's right here at the 5K range almost every single time, no matter which route I go. If I start out with that stack that we started out with, this is always where I end up. Um, and I've been taking a lot of Kenny Gainwell. I know that it's not sexy. I know it's not the the best pick, but Washington sucks up against pass catching running backs. They can't do it. Um, they they can't contain them. It is one of the worst things that you will try to watch. It's like I'm not even gonna say the, the thought that I just had coming into my head about what I think of it. But you know, we'll just say a monkey's involved with uh, you know a few other things, a coconut. But uh, <laughs> I I honestly believe that 
uh, Kenny Gainwell could be that outlier. I think Philly goes up big in this one. Uh, meanwhile, we're going to see a decent amount of targets, decent amount of running from, from Gainwell. I know that you hate it, Jacob. I mean, I thought about, I thought about taking Elijah Moore. I like this lineup so much that I'm going to play it in, in a different contest, but I'm just going to play Devonta Smith instead of game balls. And it's good. Wait, wait, what are we at? Isn't Devonta Smith at 52? Yeah. And we could just play $200 less of defense. Uh, No, I'm not doing it. (laughs) Hey, look, it's your pick. You can pick. You know what? You know what? I don't hate that. I don't hate that. Well, you can pick game. Well, I'm not going to stop you. I'm going to play. I'm going to play game. Well, yeah, I'm not stopping you. This is but hey, if you want to pivot down from Devonta right. Smith and, and pick a different defense, I don't hate it either. But yeah, I'll go with Gainwell. I, I have a weird feeling about Gainwell this week, and maybe he completely lets me down. I like Miles Sanders a whole lot more, but I think there is opportunity for him to score. So we got a minute left to get to, to do this. Go ahead and hit draft <laughs> or hit enter. <laughs> and let's go ahead and let's get out of here, Jacob. Where can we find you, man? You can find me on Twitter, FF underscore RTGB. I'm excited. I mean, honestly, this is probably the DFS slate that I have the least convictions about by Friday evening of any of them yet because there's so many players on the injury report that I guarantee you by Saturday night, I'm going to have some takes that I didn't even get the chance to talk to about today. So definitely check me out on Twitter. I'm probably going to drop some some DFS thoughts maybe maybe tomorrow um, once we get a little bit more information on some of the Q tags out there into the universe. Um, you can find me in the Bulletproof Discord. You can find the new show that I just launched with Drew, Bulletproof Bean Counter, called Sweat and Bullets. It's a Dynasty show, so that's a fun thing. All my other regular pods. And uh, otherwise, you can find me uh, probably, uh, probably catching some waves out in Tofino uh, in the beach this week. All right, Jacob took up 55 seconds. You guys can find me at FF underscore intervention over there on Twitter. Bye, guys.